Amen. 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 Um, as I told you, we are going to be taking a break today from our regularly scheduled um, series. And um, we are going to... Okay, okay there it is. Slow down. We're going to dive into... We're going to dive into what I think is going to be an important shift for our ministry um, with um, God gracing us um, with um, continued numerical growth, um, there's always the challenge of um, spiritual growth. You know, a lot of times people can get blinded by numerical growth. You know, when our college students come back and everybody comes off vacation, we're probably going to have to go to two gatherings because it's going to be pretty much full after CCC. It's going to be very, it's going to be a lot of people here. And so what we want to do is we want to not uh, get psyched out because of numbers of people that are coming. We're excited about God saving people. We're excited about people coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So many of you all's testimony was, I grew up in the church, but I haven't heard the gospel until I came here. So we've estimated that about 50% of you are new believers. And because of that reality, there's a deep necessity um, for, for there to be Organic, and you're going to always hear me say this, um, is, is I'm always going to talk about organic ways of applying the Bible and organized ways of applying the Bible. You know, as, as, the, as the believers of God come together, there are going to have to be a multiplicity of ways in which we gather together. And Sunday morning gathering was never meant to be the end all, be all for the Christian life. It is impossible for it to be that. Um, the preaching can be booming, and I think that preaching must be booming. It must be Jesus-centered. It must be Christ-centered. It must be God-centered. It must be properly divided. We believe in that. We believe that the worship must be Jesus-centered, God-centered, not man-centered. We believe that every aspect of our time together on our gatherings must be deeply centered on Jesus and deeply biblically accurate. And as powerful as our times are when we come together on Sunday morning gatherings, that is but a multivitamin pill of everything that the believer is supposed to have and be. See, a multivitamin pill is only built to be a supplement to your normal diet. And so when we look at the Sunday morning gathering, the Sunday morning gathering is but a multivitamin pill of a what believers should be experiencing daily. And so we should be experiencing it on a personal level. That means that we as Christians must have time with Jesus regularly. Although we are to pray without ceasing, there is a sense in which we must have structured and unstructured time of getting in it with God. But as powerful and as dope and as sweet as many of our times are in the word of God and as powerful and as sweet as many of our times are in prayer, um, that still is not enough to make us a comprehensive believer. And so there's a necessity from when God has personally impacted your soul that there's a, there's a necessity for believers to do life together. 
And I think one of the most important things in an individualistic society, it's very important, in an individualistic society where everybody is about themselves, where everybody is about being on their own personal grind, I'm okay by myself. I have my own relationship with God. The language of believers having a personal relationship has been both a blessing and a curse. Because, see, the idea of having a personal relationship kind of tells people, yeah, I've experienced God personally for myself, which I think the Bible does teach that, but it doesn't stop there. The Bible goes beyond just us having a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ to us having a community fellowship with others who are in Jesus Christ. And so there are to be no excuses for why believers can't be on the gathering, chop it up with other believers. And so because of that, I know that many of you, we got the lighthouse, which has been a beacon for many. Um, we, we have the bridge. We have the bridge. We thank God for the bridge. And we have um, one of our brothers, he's not here today, he's on vacation with his family, um, that he's going to be rehabbing a house, making it available to Epiphany people. Um, matter of fact, someone was so excited about the bridge and the lighthouse that they've offered to purchase a house here, not from here, to help house people who are transitioning their way into adulthood. So just crazy things that the Lord Jesus Christ is doing to make us beacons of life. And now, those are some of our organic community areas. People send out text messages and say, we're going to pray for one another. We're going to go to Philly Flavors. Like, I, it's a trip going down to Philly Flavors after the gathering. It's about 100 of y'all jokers down there. Everybody come up. Everybody claps when somebody comes up. So I, I, I really thank the Lord for the type of organic community that God has blessed Epiphany Fellowship with. But what happens is, is as new people and new believers come in who don't necessarily, even though I don't think any of you have ever made anyone feel unwelcome, I think though there are people that maybe have a little bit more of a corporate background or a different type of personality type that doesn't, they, like, they, they, like you can't just text message them out of nowhere and ask them to just come because they, they, that messes up their day because they've already thought through their day. So we got to minister comprehensively to all types of different types of peoples and personality types to facilitate their spiritual growth also, amen? amen. And so because that is so important, family of God, we, we're, we're beginning to organize aspects of our community, and we're going to be starting small groups. We're calling them cipher groups. Small groups kind of corny to me. Cell groups, that's corny. So, you know, we got to flavor it up. You know, we got to sprinkle some essence of emerald on our names and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so we got um, cipher groups. And so, but, but before I go into the pragmatics of these small groups, these cipher groups, you know how we do here. You got to go through the theological reasoning behind why that aspect of that practical thing is very important. Paul does it all the time. Most of his letters start with doctrine, then he goes to duty. Um, many times it starts with orthodoxy and then goes to orthopraxy. And so without doing a comprehensive biblical theology on this aspect of our core values, oh, what's our core values? Showing off the glory of Christ in every area of life through... All right. 
So first one, Christocentrism. Say it. Christocentrism. Commitment. Community. Communion. Conversions. What's the last one? Culturally relevant ministry. Absolutely. And we get all those from the Bible. And I think the thread that holds all of those together, I hope I finish this this week, but um, the thread that holds all of these together, I think is Christ-centered is the thing that, Christ-centered, a Christocentrism is the thing that actually holds that t- all of these things together. But I think one of the things that orbits Christocentrism that holds the rest of them together is community. And so today we're going to talk about this idea of community. What is community? Community is mutual or close association based on having someone, something, or some place in common with a particular group of people. So we see through this definition of community as we move our way into the scriptures that community, y'all, is something that you can have without being a Christian. In other words, when we talk about communities, community, we're not talking about neighborhood community. So we're, we're talking about community that has been drafted by the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said in John 10, he says, I am the door to the sheepfold. The sheep, Jesus being the door to a place where the believers of God get it in with him as the entrance to this place and the center of this place called the sheepfold or the community of God's people. And so when we look at this idea of community as generic it is, it's true, but it's missing truth. And so when we look at the idea of community, we say, what is community? It's mutual or close association based on having Jesus, the gospel, and eternity in common. Let me say that again. Mutual is, a community is mutual or close association based on having Jesus, the gospel, and eternity in common. One of the most powerful sections on um, this idea of community is 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1 verse 3. And John says in 1 John, he, he, 1 John, as he's trying to authenticate whether or not someone in the midst of the gathering of the saints is a true believer, he makes this statement. He says, that which we have seen and heard, and we, we, we proclaim also to you, so that, purpose calls, whenever you see a so that or that, it's basically giving you the purpose behind which the previous statement was being made. So he says, so that you too may have fellowship with us. Who is the us here? The us here are the apostles in context. In other words, Jesus Christ has got with 12 dudes, laced them with eternal nutrients in order to be an extension of him after he dipped in his ascension. And so what he has set up for the people of God is the information, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ about him and him alone. That's why he says that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. He's talking about the gospel. He said the purpose we gave the gospel to you was this. 
is that you may have fellowship with us. In other words, we're already in the sheepfold because Jesus Christ told us we're in the sheepfold and we're extensions of his authority and power until we die. Then it says, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So they didn't just say, we're inviting you into our clique so you can be a part of our frat or our sorority or our crew. No, nah, nah, this is not some type of pledge process where he's trying to get you up in the crew so you can be drafted on their team. No, nah, he's saying, no, I'm inviting you into not only communion with us, but communion with us is not enough. See, this is what makes biblical community different than all types of community because people anywhere can just get together. Anybody can have a potluck. Anybody can just chop it up on the block. The cats around the corner on Susquehanna, the old heads got a little tent out there. They got a tin little joint. They throw paper and all types of things in there. And they have fires and they smoke and they drink and they talk smack to each other. And in their eyes and mindset, they're having community. You know what I'm saying? They're sitting on the block, chilling, hanging, doing their thing. But that's community, but not biblical community. So what makes biblical community, biblical community, is what my man Jay says next. He says, indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus. He says, so you're not just coming to build a relationship with us. But our relationship is only valuable in relationship to its connection with God the Father who the gospel has given us access to all over again and the Son who remains in the center to make sure that that access to God remains consistent. Fam, that is biblical community. So when you look at the idea of biblical community, we see that it's not just our faulty gatherings, but the, but the reality of the fact that Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, has crushed the beef between God and man by faith alone, through grace alone, through Christ alone, and has bridged the gap through the cross and has given us the ability to enjoy God once again, the God who hated us because of our sin, the God who was going to throw us into hell because of our sin, through Christ has now invited us graciously into eternal communion with him through Jesus Christ. And because of that reality, you walk in the room and you, it's like, it's like, a, it's like you walking into the room and you're like, man, come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you walk in the room. And then you said, man, who are all of these people? And it's a group of people that have also um, been drafted on God's team and brought into the sheepfold to be able to enjoy God and enjoy his people. So when we look at community, this is not just something we throw around as a Bible or something to be fetish. Community is not a fad, it's a necessity. Community is not a fad. It's a necessity. So let's look at the origin of community. See, I want to just give you, we got to look at the origin. Where all this come from, right? Glad you asked. The nature of God's intention. Y'all with me? The nature of God's intention. Check it. God himself exists in community. <laughs> God himself 
needs himself in community. Dang, y'all missed that. The thing that makes himself sufficient is the fact that he exists in Father, Son, Spirit, one uh, essence all together that makes them God. And, and they exist kicking it eternally with one another together, enjoying one another. So what's dope, y'all didn't know God was like that. He was like enjoying the Son before the earth ever existed. The Spirit was enjoying the Son. The Spirit was enjoying the Father. The Father was enjoying the Spirit. They were hanging together before man ever was thought of. And that's why he said, let us make man in our likeness and our image. Powerful. God is not talking to the angels. He's not talking to some groupies. God is talking to himself. And he said, you know what? Let us make man look at us. I was telling some people last night, he's like, look at us. Who would want to hang with all this? No, I'm saying, look at, look at me. And he can be, see, God ain't ugly, even though he doesn't have a body, he ain't ugly. So he's the only one that can, that can talk about how beautiful he is, be right and not sin. <laughs> Y'all missed that. And, and, so, and so what's powerful about God, fam, is that he calls us into that same community. Yeah. And, and, and I love it because God has, like, like, like God is calling us to, the Bible, I like in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1, it says, be imitators of God. Well, we know through the fall that the image of God was defaced, but not erased. So man still tried to exist in community, but he tried to do it without God. And whenever man tries to do community without God, God has an issue because he's a good, jealous God. Because he didn't create man to kick it with one another without kicking it with him in the center. So it's a sin to get together without him at the center. Wow. Wow. And so, and so, and so God is saying, yo, the, through the cross, Jesus Christ makes communion, community redeemed again so that it's not only with us, but it's also with God the Father and God the Son. But then it says, God created man, uh, God created man with a need for community. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Is he right about it, fellas? Yeah. Is he right about it, fellas? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now, when God made this statement, although in the context he points it to marriage, right? Actually, it's, it's broader theologically than just the relationship that man has with his wife because the relationship that man had with his wife had at its goal and at its center for them to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth with God lookalikes. And so man was booby-trapped with the union through romance and intimacy with his wife to create a worldwide community of Jesus Christ freaks. But the fall jacked up that reality, therefore it needed the gospel to come in and redeem that reality. So all of us are innately made with a passion for relationships. All of us. 
all of us, as lonely as some of y'all are, you know what I'm saying, because some of y'all are lonely, you know what I'm saying, um, I, I mean, all of us were created by God's grace to want relationships. But the issue is we try to fill legitimate needs with illegitimate means. And so what Jesus Christ does is he reintroduces to us the, Ill, the, the, the legitimate means by redeeming our legitimate need. And so that's powerful here. So we see that by God's nation, God created man with a need for community. God's nature. God calls disciples into the community of the Trinity. I should have put after that without being the Trinity. It's Jesus prayed in the high priestly prayer. He says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Purpose clause, there it is again, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Wow. The believer, Jesus, one of his last prayers was that the oneness that the Father and the Son eternally experienced, that in some way unexplainable, we experience and enjoy the oneness that they was experiencing with one another without being little gods and godettes. And so what's, what's gorgeous about this principle is that Jesus Christ doesn't leave it there. He says the purpose, though, in us calling them in, into community with us is so that through their relationship with us and, and having relationship with one another, he says, he says that, they may, that the world may know that Jesus Christ was sent. That, that means we're, that's why we're called the body of who? The body of who? So when we are all together in our communalness, we reflect this reality and it creates an attractional, beautiful thing. In Acts 2.47 it says, And the Lord was adding to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Why? Of course, God chose those people, sovereignly elected all of those people to salvation. But what's beautiful is, is that God chose to use community and the relationships of a proclaiming community. When we get on our series on incarnational discipleship, I'm going to talk about this in more detail. But basically, when the body of believers get together reflecting the glory of Christ, consistently repenting of sin loving on one another, caring for one another. Almost every letter in the New Testament commands believers to stop being all against each other, stop backbiting. Do not, and, and, and then it says, in order that the word of God may not be dishonored. So our relationships, our relationships many times will be a strong way of people seeing Jesus. If we're cussing each other out, if we're sleeping with one another illegitimately, amen, 
If we're not acting as a redeemed community should by progressively growing in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ with one another, then it mars the world's ability to see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the passion is, is that nothing in our lives will be in the way. And, and, and as like somebody would say, well, God is gracious. He'll do it anyway because we messed up. In it. Absolutely. But that doesn't give us a license to cut a fool now. Like, since he all gracious, you know. Paul says, he said, should we sin that grace should abound? He says, may it never be. And so when we talk about this reality, we want to be a beastie community. We kind of already said that the Christian community is different than neighborhood community. Now, now look at the passage that I talked about in a few weeks ago in, um, in um, Pastoral Reflection. Now, I, I, this, this hit me because I wanted to talk about it a little more. And I know we're not used to topical sometimes around here, but it's a topical exposition. So I'm not reading into the text, but I'm still taking the stuff up out of the text. Okay? So what he says here is he says, do, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter, I didn't even put it up here, 6, um, verses 14 through 15. It says, do not be unequally yoked. The word here means mismatched. Mismatched. You know what I'm saying? Like um, one time, like, like when, I, when, I, when I used to wear a suit when I went to church, if the lighting wasn't right in the room, when I, when I went to put on my blue socks, I go outside into the sunlight and I look and realize I got on a black sock and a blue sock. Mitch Mac. Somebody said, man, you got on Mitch Mac socks. You know, all of us were trying to be Michael Jackson back in the day. So we had our little high water joints on and people could see. So we try to pull them back down. But this word means unequally yoked means mismatch. Now, it's interesting that he uses the term yoked. This is interesting because Jesus says, he says, he says, he says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now, what Jesus does is he yokes us behind him just like a cattle would be yoked. Some of y'all don't know no agriculture because some of us all from the concrete jungle. But in agricultural language, yoke was when they put the strap over the ox and pressed in order um, to, 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 to basically plow ground. And so unequally yoked, I mean, if you have two oxen, one's yoke was uneven, then they wouldn't be able to plow properly. And so right here he says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now he's not saying that we don't have re developed relationships to be missional for the purpose of the gospel. That's not what he's saying. But he's talking about, when he talks about being unequally yoked with unbelievers, because most people look at this and when somebody's dating an unsaved man, they said the Bible said don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. That's true. But this text is not really talking about dating. I don't even think it was thinking about dating. But the text is really talking about believers who try to force community relationships with people that they shouldn't be doing life with. In other words, you're, you're getting a spiritual advice. I ain't talking about how to build a house, something like that. You can get that information from unbelievers. But we're talking about marital advice, relationship advice, what should I do? And you know what, what, what the people from back in the day are going to tell you. Girl, shoot. If I was you, shoot. 
And you know when somebody says shoot, they about to tell you some old whack, jacked up, left field, unbiblical, unredeemed, pit of hell information. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And so, and so when, we're, when, when, you, when, you, when it comes to believers, and this is very important because many of you are brand new believers and you really don't have any solid Christian relationships. And so because you have good relational chemistry with your friends from the world, you should keep the open door up for the gospel. But many of you do life with them in an unhealthy way that's continuing to stunt your sanctification process. And so what Paul is saying here and what he's trying to help us with as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ is he's saying, I'm not telling you to do that because in the same book, he said, in the book before, he said, I will call all things to all men in order that I might win some. So he's not talking about missional interaction. He's talking about community relationships. Are y'all with me? Y'all getting this? And so, and so then he goes and he says, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? He just asked the question. Now, he's hoping this is a rhetorical question. He's hoping he don't really have to answer that question. So he just throw the question out there, right? Then he says, he says, oh, what fellowship, what community, both of these is the Greek word koinonia, say koinonia, for community, partnership and fellowship. In the English, they would have just translated different ways, but it's basically the same Greek word. It says, oh, what fellowship has light with darkness, what accord has Christ with Baliel, which is, a, which is just a Jewish way of saying Satan, or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? And so Paul here warns us that we, he, see, what I'm trying to do is help us to get a biblical and theological foundation for what biblical community looks like. What community is not? Let me just say what it's not. Aimless chilling. What you doing? Nothing. What you doing? Chilling. Well, you ain't doing nothing. I ain't doing nothing. We might as well do nothing together. But community is not just aimless chilling. It's not aimless chilling. And we got to be very careful of what things we call community. Doing everything together all the time. That ain't community. Doing everything together. Now, I know some people, you know, I made a statement a while back talking about, um, you know, there are only few things that you don't, you know, that you don't, um, what did I say? There are only few things that's your business. And what I was, I was using hyperbolic language to talk about the fact that we're so individualistic, we want to isolate ourselves and keep things to ourselves. But, 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 I, but I do think that sometimes people do community wrong by thinking that everybody has to do everything together all the time, and if they don't do it together with everybody all the time, that they're not walking in biblical community. That leads me to my next one. Inviting yourself to things that were meant to be exclusive. Oh, man, you know, I, I hope it's room for me. I hope it's room for me. I heard, I heard, no, nah, the reason why you heard 
is because we didn't want you there. Now, sometimes people just want to get together. It doesn't mean it's always a free-for-all. And we got to be careful of that because, let me see if I got that proverb up here. No, I ain't got that proverb up here yet. I'm going to put a proverb that actually talks about that, about being trifling like that. And so you want to make sure, and there, there are times where it's appropriate to say, man, you know, I really, I really need to be around the believers today, man. I'm struggling today. I'm, uh, um, and I really need to be around. That's different. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, just always got to be everywhere with everybody all the time, but you can't go and clean your room. Amen. That's a whole nother congregational stewardship something. Um, towards the biblical theology of community. So what we're looking at is reflecting the love of Jesus towards others. Not only that, purpose of community is it representing Jesus by identifying with him in a community of disciples and then reproducing Jesus Christ's lookalikes by being a gospel-proclaiming community of disciples. So when we look at the idea of community, we're looking at, we're looking at reflecting. That's why this is what we get in our mission statement, showing off the glory of Christ in every area of life. Reflecting. So we reflect, we're to represent, and we're to reproduce. Now, anything people of God that is healthy reproduces. Let me say that again. Anything that is healthy spiritually must biblically reproduce. And we're going to continue to work through that principle of reproduction when we begin to talk about the idea of how community facilitates biblical discipleship. It is the breeding ground from it. Some people believe that the only way to make a disciple is one-on-one. You will not see that in the Bible. You won't see it. Very few times. People say Elijah and Elisha. No, if you read his life, he had a bunch of prophets that he was walking with. Some people say with Titus, I mean, uh, Titus, he just did, Paul did Titus. No, he had Titus, Timothy, John, Mark, uh, Silas. He had a crew of people. So, no, he didn't just do one-on-one discipleship. Discipleship is most effective when it's done in community. Jesus didn't do one-on-one discipleship. He did discipleship with a crew of people by creating community. And so as a proclaiming community, it says that Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. In other words, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so what we do as a proclaiming community, a preaching community, is we proclaim the invading reign of Jesus Christ already, but not yet. In other words, the kingdom has already come in some ways, but not yet. It hasn't been fully revealed. Is because God's tabernacle is not among men. But the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are supposed to show commercials of that reality through their relationship with one another with Jesus Christ at the center. And so that's why we're called the pilgrim people of God. We're pilgrims. We're passing through this land. And so that means that we must not fall in love with the land. We must continue to fall in love with the Lord, knowing that our time is short. 
And so with pilgrims passing through, that's why Peter says in 2 Peter, hope I quoted right, uh, verse, chapter 2, verse 11, it says, it says, it says, um, it, it says, abstain, and he says, I adjure you as, I like it, there it is, Holy Spirit, thank you. I adjure you as sojourners and aliens to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wages war against your soul. He's not talking about sexual lust alone. He's talking about passions for things that God does not have a passion for. In other words, you're keeping score like the world, not keeping score like God. And so what happens is, is the community people of God together acts as pilgrims don't get too attached to their stuff. That means you don't get too attached to your gear. You don't get too attached to your, your, your you know, your, your, your weave, you know what I'm saying? It's, it, you know, I know it, you, you got split ends. One day he's going to give you eternal hair, you know what I'm saying? So you're just passing through, girlfriend. I know you're tired of doing your hair every morning, you know what I'm saying? You know, brothers, you don't have to get a shape up no more, you know what I'm saying? Say, eternal shape up. You wake up, hey, hair nice. You know, if you want dreads in the kingdom, I believe it's going to be cast. Walk around with dreads in the kingdom, you know, nice shape up, plickety plick, and you won't have to retwist your joints. They'll be eternally twisted. <laughs> <laughs> And so when we look at the pilgrim, you know what I'm saying, people of God, we, 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 we want to, we want to represent, we want to love people, we want to enjoy God's creation, but we don't want to get stuck in it because we know that there's more to this reality um, than what's here right now and that we're just pilgrims passing through. Amen? Amen. But see, this is what most people do. Most people, right, we do this. No, we do. We have... We have our devotional life over here. We have our family life over here. We have our church life over here, and we have our work life over here. Your life was never meant to be that way. Your life was never meant to be chopped up into segments. In other words, and and this is all going somewhere in relation to community, because many people, we chop up our lives, and what we do, and what we do is we say, I'm going to do my devotions. But the Bible doesn't necessarily teach that devotions is one point in time during the day. Devotion is your entire day. And so when you look at everything as a devotion versus a moment in time, you look at your life more comprehensively. And so what happens is, is when you're doing life with others, it helps unsegment your life and make these things a lot more clear. And so some of y'all seen some of this already. Some of it is from core groups. Some of it is from a small group stuff. But I wanted us to have this for the entire congregation um, so that all of us can kind of walk through some of this, right? So this is the world right here, right? This is the world. This represents the world. What happens most of the times is the church gathers in the midst of the world, but everybody leaves and never engages the world. So like most inner city churches is made up from people that used to live in the hood, but they left the hood. And so what happens is, is that people see people coming in with, with um, in nice cars and nice gear, but aren't from that area, which I'm not saying all of that is wrong. But, when, but, but, but what happens is, is in the world, there's not a witness 
in that community or in that world because everybody goes to their own individual lives. I'm going to my hiatus where I built my dream home. I've gone over here to live where I want to live. I'll see you at whatever programmatic event that happens again, but I won't necessarily do life with you. And so what happens is, is believers only come to church service. That's why we don't call it church service because you won't see that in the Bible, church service. Because service is broader than a Sunday morning gathering. But what happens is that the Sunday morning gathering, as important as it is, that's not it. And so there's a need for, for the word of God to do more than just get us through the week. I get a little offended when people say, man, I, I can get through the week now. Because I get scared. I was like, dad, you're just that. Like, I think the preaching of the word of God is very important in everything. But where is your connectivity throughout the week? And so believers can't just do life like this. So what do we do? Instead of just being gathered, we're both gathered and scattered. And so we go into all of these places and the believers not only gather on Sundays, but they gather throughout the week with one another doing life. Now, I'm not saying, again, that you hang around each other all the time, showing up at people's house unannounced. I'm saying, call somebody. But look, but that still is not an excuse for believers to gather and scatter as they gather as scattered, right? Because, I don't know what happened. My lights were up there. But I had little circles in here um, that show, you can kind of see them, that shows empty pockets of places that need to be engaged by, by believers outside of the Sunday morning gathering. And so our small groups are meant to be these. Our small groups are going to be aspects of that. So this is going to be exciting, y'all. So we're going to gather to celebrate on Sunday morning gatherings and I know that many of us do life together outside of the Sunday morning gatherings, but to facilitate everybody in an organized and Christ-centered way, these small groups are going to be microcosms of this big macro right here. That's for my business majors. And so, and so, and so what we have here is these being smaller versions of this larger gathering so that we scatter and the people that won't necessarily come to church, you always invite them to church, come to church on Sunday, come to church on Sunday, come to church on Sunday. Well, I don't know what to wear. Well, we casual. All right, you sure? I ain't never seen no casual church. Come to church on Sunday, come to church. And we need to be able to have missional ways of engaging people right there in our neighborhoods where they can walk right to. Can you imagine the person you're trying to minister to for years walks into the house and sees the believers of God chopping it up with Jesus at the center, loving one another, fellowshipping, weeping together, repenting together, and them hearing the gospel regularly, both for justification and both for sanctification, and them being convicted and cut to the quick and finally brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the vision. That's the vision. And so, and so, and so in doing that, we want to, we want to do this. I'm not going to go through all of that. I must have got the wrong one up. I should have put up number two. I'm going to put up number, let me see, where is it? 
I'm going to put it down. I'm sorry, y'all. I should have did this. Oh, these are community core. No, nah, we're going to go over that later. Sorry. Okay. Okay, a caution. Caution. Groups must not let groups become human-centered. You know, one of the things about small groups, can you take that down and put up number two off of my USB? Is my USB still in there? Pull my USB out of there, baby, because I, I got to get this information to everybody today. You know, one of the things that happens with small groups is small groups can become human-centered because many times um, it's, it's epiphany cipher groups, too. And so what happens is, is people, there, there's, now, now I, you know, we, we don't believe in submitting to the authority of needy people. What do I mean by that? Because needy people will fool you. See, needy people will make you feel bad about not meeting all of their needs. And so they'll come to the small group and drain the daylights out of everybody, every small group. Everything is always a 911 all the time, the little small one. Mm -mm. And so everybody all the time is always being drained all the time by this person. And so what happens is, is the small group stops being Jesus-centered and being somebody else-centered. And when that happens, it takes away from the power and the ability for Christ to be glorified and Christ to be seen. And so sometimes during the small group, what you're going to have to do and what you're going to have to say is you're going to have to tell them, let's wait to afterwards. We're going to talk to you afterwards. We want to chop it up with you. But we want, to, we want to make sure that it's about Jesus and we're looking out for the needs of others. Now, there are going to be special times where believers need to have special attention. That's going to be very important. But these small groups are not meant to meet everybody's need because None of us can meet all of our needs. I, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, my, I mean, some of us get married thinking our spouse is going to meet every single, every last one of all of our needs, right? Thank y'all. Every last one of our needs, and they will let you down regularly. They will let you down regularly. And the same thing is with relationships with other believers. And so as we talk about these small groups, I want to talk about the structure, is that number two? Is that number two? That's number two? Okay. And so, um, and so what, we wanna, what I want to do is I want to talk about some of the values of our small group. Our small group is going to be building. One of our values is building, preserving relationships which are marked by endurance. I like the way Colossians 3 says, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. That means you need to begin to learn how to keep short accounts with people in these relationships because some people are going to make you mad. And you're going to have to, instead of gossiping about them to other people in the small group, you need to go to them and talk about the beef that you had with them for you come to church Sunday without dealing with that and God put you good night and bring you to glory because you didn't deal with that issue. Read 1 Corinthians 11. He will do it. Realness. Realness. Like, you know, I, this weekend I was at a conference, and there was this guy there at the conference. He just came into everything, and he wanted to give everybody advice. Like, he just rolled up and just began advising people he didn't know. I, I, and he, he always saying, he, always, he kept saying, I know y'all wasn't talking to me, but. 
And he always had an exhortation for someone else, but never was willing. And I had to put him aside to talk to him about it and kind of rebuke him um, for it. But what we're going to need in these communities is realness. Now, I know that that's going to take trust for us to trust one another and begin being real. And we're asking God to give us a, a sense of community brokenness and realness so that we can love each other through the gospel of Jesus Christ and apply the one another. It's not only that, missionality, sharing the gospel through both life and lips. You can't just say, I'm being Jesus to people. You got to say Jesus to people. How will they hear without a what? Preacher. So the gospel has to be proclaimed. Synchronization. The willingness to reform one's life priorities around avail availability to others. Sorry about that. Availability to others. Replication. Replication. The willingness to be committed to making disciples on some level. And so every believer in here we've been talking about is going to have to make a disciple on some level as God is that you can't still be a spiritual infant talking about you're going to make a disciple. You need discipleship. Okay? And so you got to be ushered to spiritual maturity in order to be able to make disciples. Now, tight lips. Say tight lips. What is spoken in the group stays in the group. Say that together. You know, pray for Brother Dave York. You know, I just feel burdened for Dave because he was telling me, he didn't say tell anybody, but just keep this. No. We want to make sure that we're not putting people out there if they've said something to us in confidence. And Proverbs 21, 23 talks about that. Now, some disclaimers. Real quick, then we're going to end. I know it's been a while. A place where people can expect to be served alone. Don't just expect to go just to uh, be served, but you're there to serve also. It's mutual. It is, don't expect this to be a place where all your needs are met. Small groups are not the solve all be all. They are a way of doing community. They're not the way of doing community. To sow your raw oats of ministry. Now, I'm going to just tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now in the name of the living God. If the elders here you are teaching anything that is outside of our doctrinal statement, you will be rebuked sharply. Don't be cornering anybody. I'm saying this public, and this is for people listening to the podcast. If we hear you're trying to give somebody the Holy Spirit, you will be heavily rebuked. Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 says, we had the Spirit when we believed. So I'm just telling you now, don't be in here trying to preach a different doctrine outside of the gospel that we preach. You will be rebuked. And as a guardian and steward of the gospel, it is our right under Jesus' authority to make sure that you are shut down. And if you continue, you will be placed under discipline to further notice for the purpose of restoration. But I'm letting you know early, early in the love of Jesus Christ that this is not the place for you to learn and, and be, uh, learn in the sense of sowing your wild oats for teaching and preaching. So I'm just telling you ahead of time. Most preachers are afraid of doing small groups because they're afraid it'll create church splits. But I be we believe in the priesthood of the believers and we must entrust God's people to God. 
Know when uh, to leave people's house, though. <laughs> Let me just say that while we close it. Get out of people's house. Don't be watching Sports Center to 12. Look, get out. And don't let them say, I got to get some rest. Get out. Listen, I'm telling you, some people don't know how to leave. I'm just trying to help the people that are hosting. Get out. When people start leaving, go. Amen? This is what Proverbs say. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill and hate you. You understand the Bible talking about everything. The Bible talk. Listen, people think the Bible. Look, the Bible ain't relevant. It talk about everything. It even talk about getting out of people's house, not coming over there all the time. Ooh, I smell some barbecue. What we got for dinner? What we got for dinner? Get out. Weren't invited. So, let's look at this biblically. You know what I'm saying? Claimers. What what can we claim for small groups to be? A place where you can serve others. Amen. First Peter 4 says, employ your gifts in serving one another. A place where you can connect to make disciples. A place where you can give yourself away. A place where no one is perfect. Listen, we said it. If you're perfect, you're not invited. If, you, if you're perfect, you're not invited. I told you, the chariot is waiting out front to take you to glory. But those of us who are not perfect... We're going to do life together. Amen? Amen. Also, a place where people fight for Christ to be in the center. Where we fight for. Because it's easy for everything else to not be, to be at the center versus Christ being at the center. A place where people take personal responsibility for their own spiritual formation. What do we mean by that? Remember, listen to our Galatians series on the soul of the gospel, and we'll explain that. But there's a sense in where the community helps, but we're also supposed to bear our own burdens. A place where people own what it means to be in community with others. Own it. Structure. What is our structure as we close? Y'all still with me? All right. Our structure. Let me do this structure real quick. Our structure, and we're going to be posting this. Guiding the, uh, the leader, is the first person is the leader. The, the leader is going to guide the group by facilitating the group and monitoring its health. That, that's based on those, 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 our core values and based on our community values. Regulating, uh, regularly engaging, engage the elders concerning need areas of emphasis. And so some of our application for messages are going to be helpful because small group leaders are going to let us know some of the felt needs that are in the congregation. Okay. But they have to, and then they, but the structure is they have to attend all mandatory leadership trainings and communicate and report group information to church administrator. That's mom do. And um, we're going to have reports for our small groups, and she's um, developing that for us. Now, the host. The purpose of the host is to create a healthy environment where people are able to practically enjoy God, his people, and his creation on his terms. So the host is a very important part of this. The person that's hosting in their homes, this is very, very important. Because the host, there's some people that have the gift of hospitality, but we're all supposed to practically be hospitable. Hebrews chapter 13. Okay? And so what we want to do is we want to make these places of peace, places of outposts of shalom 
where people can, can, can sense the freedom of God in Christ and enjoy God through proper hospitality, proper love, based on a nice environment. Some people, y'all do it up as hosts. You know, when you come in, the house is all clean. Y'all got candles lit, you know, so it smells good. You got a candle lit in the bathroom. You know, when people go in, you know, to the bathroom, everything. Y'all got a nice aroma smelling, snacks all out, music playing in the boom box or through your DVD player or you got your iPod in the wall, however you got it. I mean, people that got the gift of hospitality know how to do that thing up. So then if somebody had a hard day and they walk into that environment, they, that's like a nice place to be. So the gift of hospitality, a person that's a gift of hospitality is gracious in that way. But everybody's going to play this role a gatherer. This will be the role of all covenant community participants. So small groups are mandatory for all covenant community believers, uh, uh, people. So if you sign the covenant, you've covenanted with us to be in a small group. All right? To invite others to cipher groups to follow up with unconnected attendees. Okay? Now these are going to be our areas right here. Now these are the places where we're going to have Small groups all over the city. We're going to have a small group in Lower Northeast. We're going to have a small group in West Philly and uh, Delaware County. We're going to have one in South Jersey. We're going to have one um, over here in, uh, 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 I meant to take that off, collegiate classes, because they are going to be in the rest of the group. So they say we don't want to be with college students. We want to be with everybody else. So we can scratch that. And then the Logan, um, East West, Olney, Ogons, uh, Nice Town, Germantown, Mount Airy area of the city, right? Um, and so those are the, these are five community groups. Now, many of these are already loaded. Many of these small groups are already loaded, and they're going to be ready to multiply. There are already 50 people that are going to be in the North Philly small group. So it's crazy. So we're going to multiply very fast, okay? Format, entering the crib refreshments. So pay your little, you know, the little fee to get your little refreshments. Don't let the host spend all up their money, you know, because you're hungry all the time and just want to come get dinner at their house. Put some money in. Prayer. Icebreaker, you know, you know, like we got to have the Nicks and, you know, Nick and the icebreaker stuff. So you, you make it create some icebreakers for us, you know, um, you know, names on the back and guessings and all that kind of stuff. Uh, study and discussion. Basically, the curriculum for the small groups at this point is going to be uh, Will, uh, Trip Lee, and, um, and um, I'm going to have Brian and, um, and, and um, Sam. Um, I, I asked you yes, Sam, but you're going to be doing that, Sam. Um, y'all going to be creating. Y'all going to be creating questions from our sermon points, and basically making sure that they get to the small group leader, so that the small group leader is prepared to lead the discussion through that. Now, some of you are going to have your laptop out and playing the podcast. And stop right there. Okay, now remember that part of the message with all that and going through the questions, so you're going to do your thing. So this is going to be a very enjoyable time, I'm telling you. Don't sleep. So then prayer at the end, and then I should have put right there another bullet point. What bullet point I should put out the prayer? Get out. Get out. Um, let, let, you know, don't, don't let people tell you, you know, to get out. I'm just telling you that. I'm just telling you. Don't do it. Because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It begins the next week. Next week. Wednesdays are the default day. Most small groups, all of them, Sister Ange, all of them Wednesday. All of them are going to be on Wednesdays. Amen? Amen. So Wednesday nights, starting at 7. You can start it at 7 or 7.30. It's up to the small group leader. 
Um, what, what time you want to start? Some may six, but you know, because of traffic, people may want to start seven, seven thirty. Runs three weeks on, one week off. That one week off is for man to man in thirty one thirty. So the week that we're not doing small groups, we're going to be at man to man, all of us, and at thirty one thirty. Okay, all of us, men, women, Platt Oaken. So that's what we're going to do. Then, but we are going to have seasons where we shut down all e weekly activities until you stay home with your families so that people aren't up here or at somebody's house all the time, that, that you actually spend time with your family with a week where there's no, there's no quote-unquote church activities. All right, this is, I'm closing right here. This is where we are. Um, the choose, and this will all be posted. We're going to get it to our, to our team, and they'll, um, they'll have the contact information. We're having a certain way that we're going to do contacting. We'll let you know that. This will all be available to you. Um, but there's going to be a contact. we got a couple of ways that we're going to do it. We're going to let you know by next Sunday what's the contact for how to get their address, all of that type of stuff. But we didn't want to put people's address online. You know what I'm saying? People's information all up online for 100,000 people to see. And so we, 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 we're um, funneling a way of doing that. And so um, these, are our, these are our hosts. The Chews are going to be hosting at their nice new home in uh, Frankfurt Northwood section. Um, the Lighthouse is hosting. Amen. Sister May, where's Sister May at? She here today. She, she's in Texas. Oh, dang, Sister gone. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo, boo-hoo. Tell her we love her. Tell her we love her. Sister May just moved to Camden, New Jersey. And so, so the people don't have to pay the toll no more, come across the bridge. You know, you just go ahead to Sister May crib. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the Gaines, they're hosting in the Logan section of the city. Um, and, 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 and brother and sister Mobley, put up your hands, Mobley, Mobley family. Much love, much love. And so they're hosting in their crib in the, in, on, on the west side of the city. And so these are our leaders of those groups. Those are the people that are going to facilitate and lead those groups. Amen? Are y'all ready to take this city for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are y'all ready to see him call his elect ones to salvation? I'm looking forward to this. And so the prayer is, the prayer is, is that as we get ready for this, is that the Lord would do a major work and that we're really able to facilitate gospel proclaiming communities throughout this city and throughout this region. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for gospel proclaiming communities. And God, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we would be.